The Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Marty, you screwed it up once before. Do you want to give it an intro? Do you want to try it again? No, and it's not because I got it wrong last time. I just don't care, and I would rather you do it to save me having to think. You're implying I care. I am certainly not implying that. Oh, wow. Well, I'm just going to be quiet and, and, until someone talks. Okay. Well, we've already talked. It's episode 72. All right. That's good enough. In case. Yeah, that'll do. My hands were crossed. I wasn't saying jack shit. I wasn't saying a damn thing until somebody piped up and you're the only one on the phone. So, uh. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard for anybody else considering this Skype call is between two people. So. Yeah, it's like when the teachers in school say, "I can wait as long as you can." Oh my god! Like, no, you can't. No, you lose. <laughs> you lose every time. No, there's nothing more than the determination of a student to fuck over a teacher. We got more patience. So, I, I, okay, I promise we will think about talking about pinball at some point. Did you know I was once a teacher? No, <laughs> wait, wait. I knew you were once a comedian. Right there, it is. Yeah, yeah. So between. Uh, it's late 90s, so still doing stand-up too. I was a professor teaching a writing course at college, and I did it for four years. Okay, shut up. I swear to God. Shut your fucking mouth yes. right now. Yes, anyway. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Hold on a second. A professor? A professor. It was 12 hours a week, so it was part-time because I still had my main job. The reason I wanted to do it was because... One, it paid really well. And secondly, I told work, I said, hey, this is a good in to see future students that we might want to hire. I'll have, you, you never know in an interview, but I'll know through a course of eight months if the students got the chops or not. That's so they said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Fine by me. 12 hours out of my job, 12 hours getting double dipped. And uh, it was fun. Anyway, that aside, it's true. But so I just want to clarify. Fuck. Was it, was it you, were you teaching written or oral language because one of those you're probably good at it was a combination Let's go back to the beginning of this podcast for, for my evidence it was a combination of both really because uh, <laughs> you have to write as you uh you're using your audio senses to hear what is being written it's writing for radio and all that kind of stuff anyway the point is you fuck with we're three minutes in and i'm trying to tell a story <laughs> I had a class that was just so, so, so disruptive and just, you know, they're college students, you know, they're probably high and all that shit. There's mm-hmm. 36 of them and they're just, they're not paying a cent. Uh, I hate raising my voice at all costs unless there's like a fire or something. And I wasn't going to tell the class, come on guys, because like they're just going to laugh in my face. So I just stopped talking. And finally somebody kind of clued in after about, I don't know, seven minutes, the class just kind of shut up. And then I finally went, you know, I feel really bad for most of you here because you really want to learn, you really want to graduate and get a job in this in this field. The problem is there's about four or five of you absolute fucking assholes that are ruining it for everyone else. <laughs> but don't worry because you're all going to be kicked out at the end of the semester when all of us teachers get together and say, who are the shit disturbers? So 
Don't worry, good students. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, did you kick? Did you kick them out, or did they? Oh, pull fucking the totally! Seat? No, no, beat it, nerds. They're gone. Like how? Are they? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sink or swim, baby. All right, we talking yeah. pinball? I've got some notes. Some yeah. of it's pinball. Some of it, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll have to do our, our regular movie review. Uh, Ooh. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Would yep. you see? We'll get to that later. I don't want to forget that because I, I saw a good one. All, I, all I'm going to say is I saw something that you told me to see. What? What? That's crazy. Okay. Here's a hint. It's not Godfather. Keep I going. Know. Okay, right. Let's Flash. talk pinball. Let's talk tournaments because didn't you just host, and I say great tournament because I just saw on Facebook so many people mentioned that the beast was an amazing tournament. Thank you, Marty. It was. Uh, well, no, you don't have to thank me. I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm just reporting what other people said. It was uh, better than I expected. I was thoroughly pleased. And this is the topic of this show today. In fact, I'm going to do a disclaimer. We never do disclaimers. Maybe somebody's listening for the first time ever. So if you've never heard Final Round, if you don't like foul language, I'm really fucking sorry. I apologize, but you're going to hear a lot of shit on this show. I'm, it's going to offend some cunts. I'm telling you, but maybe we, we refrain. <laughs> no, we're going to drop I, everything. I think, yeah. I think at 70, episode 72, those people that don't like swearing, they dropped off a long time ago. But what if they're just clicking on, they, they're fans of other TPN shows. It's possible. Don't laugh. It, and yeah, they, okay, sure. And they find ours. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there's going to be a lot of that, but. It's just who we are, and we do it because it means nothing to us. They're just words. Correct. There are no feelings. In fact, if there are any feelings, it's a sign of affection. There, done. That's the disclaimer. My goal with this show, and I'm not joking, is to be maybe the definitive podcast, this one episode, for listening to if you want to run a big, big tournament, because I'm going to go through a lot of the stuff from the Beast and tournaments in general. So for me to run the Beast and put this all together... I have seen years and years of different tournaments, different formats and stuff, and thought, okay, what can I do that I think is the best and for the right reasons? So I want to share that. And you've done this too, Marty. You've done mm-hmm. as big, if not bigger, with Melbourne Silverball and whatever else is done in Australia. So this should be a fun show. Okay. Big tournaments only. We're not talking about just doing a, a one-night thing. That's fine, whether it's a strikes tournament, a, a frenzy quick match play. We're talking multi-day tournaments here. Okay. So can we start with that? What, what are we saying is the criteria? Are we saying um, over a certain number of days and a number of people? To put things into perspective, my goal of putting on the beast was to do something that not right now because it takes three years to do so, but have the caliber of a Stern Pro Circuit event. Big scale. Okay. Not yeah, as but- big as Indisc, not as big as the UK Open, and not as big as Yegpin. And I mentioned those three because in all of my travels, those are the best three tournaments. They are the models to watch, those three. Okay. And, and I know you can't comment on this, but I would say you could add Brisbane Masters to that had you been here. You Just, know what? From what everyone you might have says. I have sight unseen that one. Yeah. That's true. And I haven't been there. So uh, I did want to clarify the ones I've seen, but everybody I know that goes to Brisbane Masters and congratulations to uh, awarding Escher a gabillion points once again, but I heard it was great. And so Lambo and Jimmy Nails and all you guys that uh, put that on, you make people come from across the pond and many hours because it's such a great event. So yeah. you're right. I haven't seen that one. So uh, yeah, someday, someday. Yeah. So 
First things first is you have to figure out, okay, I want to do this over how many days? Got it. And what type of tournament is it going to be? And that includes what format or formats. And I've said this on this show before, and Marty, we've talked about it. For people, I think, to have to travel to a show, they need to have options. And the options can simply be multi-tournaments. Sure. One tournament, the only place I could pull that off, and even they had multi-tournaments, was Pinburg. You've got an event, you had a thousand people, you had replay with hundreds of machines, a dedicated staff, a fun event. Just They could have done just Pinburg, but you know what? They even added Whipped, and they even added Intergalactic. So they actually had three events, but originally it was just kind of one. So I think you need multi-events. So that was always on the table. When you did Melbourne Silverball, I assume it was more than one. Well, it was only two. It was We had the main event, and then we had a flip frenzy. Two is more than one. That's my point. Uh, yeah, it was mainly because it was at a pinball event that was only over two days. So I had to squeeze everything into two days. What was your format? Pump and dump. Now, I have heard from several players, and I would even put my hand up in that category too, is pump and dump is not my favorite kind of tournament. And let's go over why pump and dump is successful and why it is a deterrent to some. Okay. Shall we explain what it is first? Sure. So- this is where you uh, have, let's say, a row of machines and you need to qualify a score on a number of these different games. And if you get the highest score on a particular game, it's worth 100 points. How am I going so far? Not bad. We're talking over qualifying over a certain period, which could be several days even. Correct. And the reason why they say sort of pump and dump is that you can usually... If it's unlimited, you can try as many times on that particular machine, but usually you have to have scores on a number of different games. So I think at Melbourne Silver Ball, we had eight machines, but you needed to get a score up on six of those eight games. And so you then add those all together and it gives you a rank from top to bottom and then top eight, top 16, top 32, whatever you want, will then go into finals. And then the final format can be different. We had standard uh, match play, which we will get to, but you know, you, you, that's just the qualifying is the pump and dump. You don't have pump and dump finals. The advantages of it are for those people that aren't necessarily the best players, you can put up a shit score and just go straight back into the queue and try and try again. Basically, it's as deep as your pockets go. That's a deterrent to some people. It's like, okay, the rich get richer perhaps, or it's going to cost me a lot of money. Yes, if it takes you that many times to, to play the game. Correct. And I would argue that this does not affect the top players. It affects the, the middle players and the not so good players because they're the ones that are likely, the lowers are likely to get a push up and the mids are, pro are likely to be done out of a spot in the finals because they're pushed down, if that makes sense. But usually the top players do, you know, play, play a game on each of those machines and go, yep, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to qualify. I can walk away. So I'm going to give the scenario of the beast. The beast, we took the top 24 players. The top eight would get a buy. So you wanted to be in that top 24 to advance to the playoffs, which was group match play. You're in a group of four. You're playing three games. It's Papa scoring, which is 4-2-1-0 scoring. The top two after three games advance. 
you need to do that actually you need to do papa scoring or ifpa rules which is the 7531 if you want to make your event certified certified is just a nice way of saying you want the tournament to be worth more whoppers the magical pinball points so i did want that to happen and that's why i use the papa format but again the deterrent of that is it, it, you're going to your pocket you're going you're spending a lot of money perhaps now the positive of that every time there's a negative i can give you a positive and vice versa the positive of that is if you're running the tournament such as i did every single dollar that went into the pump and dump went back to the players in prize pools yep yep that's why people do pump and dumps it builds big prize pools in my Correct. main event fifteen thousand dollars in cash and prizes and when i say prizes i'm talking a few hundred dollars for trophies and stuff but yep. the rest was all cash 10,000 in the classics. Those are huge, huge pots. Like people were so thrilled when the winner got $3,000 in main, $2,000 in classics. And uh, that would be Jason Zoller and uh, Raymond Davidson, respectively. So, congratulations to those two former number one players. Big, big, big bucks, but that's why you do it. And so, some people are like, I don't care that I'm putting in a lot of money. I'm investing hopefully in myself. I get that back if I make the playoffs. Other formats you can choose for a big tournament. We talk about the match play tournament and Yegpin does it, Pinberg does it. It really, really, really requires a lot of machines to do something like that, to do it properly. I mean, there are smaller versions of Pinberg style where they would have one newer machine, one mid machine, one older machine like an EM or an old solid state, and they would do that each round. It's most people's favorite formats. The problem is logistically, it's so hard to do. You have to have so many machines. You have to have backup machines in case some go down. Timing of the games is really, really important because you don't want groups sitting around waiting because this bank of machines is taking forever. So in a smaller venue, it's tough to do. Whenever you see these big scale match play tournaments like a Pinburg, think of where they are. They're at the Pittsburgh Convention Center, which was, you know, football field size. It was that huge. Yeah. Yegpin, which was the uh, indoor hockey rink size. And you just need a lot of machines, a lot of techs and stuff. It's why you don't see more of it. So you see a lot more pump and dumps or card based formats. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you've got match playing, you've got groups of four, every group needs to be on a machine at the same time. So I don't know, do the math. If you've got 100 people, that's 25 games you need to have at a minimum for everybody to be playing at the same time. Couple that, when, when you had Pinberg, you had, what was it, four machines per group? Is that right? Yeah, they had almost 400 machines in the banks. 400 machines for 1,000 people. Correct, yeah. So that's, so that's what it is. So that's why match play as a full tournament, you're right. You've got to have a big venue and you've got to have a lot of machines. And that, that narrows down the opportunity because there's not that many locations that have got that many machines so so think about a thousand people 400 machines i can't remember what um they had at yegpin but they had 200 players i would say they had 80 machines so 40 percent whatever player number you would like to achieve you need about 40 percent of those players in machines you want 100 people 40 machines how many places have 40 working machines uh, yeah that's tough to do yep. and of different eras well, it doesn't have to be of different eras. That's, that's something that makes it nice. But no, that you don't have to have different eras at all. You don't have to. And I, the reason we do different eras, I believe, is because it encompasses all that is pinball. 
Stern Pro Circuit, when you have the finals, it's always new Sterns. It's There's no other way to put it. It's a marketing tool for Stern. It's not who the best pinball player is. It, it takes all these people from the top 20 Stern Pro Circuit events and bring them together, and you're playing games that Stern's trying to sell. I get it. It makes sense. I, I would do it too if I was Stern. I think that's a bit of a bit over cynical. No way. Because, no way. Well, there's really, because there's usually only one or two games that they can sell at that particular time because everything's already out of production. But it's all new modern Sterns. Yeah, but, but a lot of them aren't in production anymore, so they can't sell any. Uh, a lot less less than half them. No, no way. I've been to them. I've seen them. They're being no, I know, right now. No, I've watched them. I watched them. I know. What I'm saying to you is that yes, obviously it's a it's a marketing exercise because Stern, why would Stern do it otherwise? Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be no reason for them. But to sort of go, well, it's only a marketing. No, it's more than that. And okay, we're, we're talking about the definitive discussion about pinball tournaments. I, I would say I've enjoyed Sternaments. That's a nickname given to tournaments that only have Stern machines and tournaments that have got games from all eras. I find them just as enjoyable. I have absolutely no problem being in a tournament that only has Stern machines. So you've got to then look at your audience and determine what they would like. And I think when you do go to the old era of games, like even if you go to EMs and Solid States, I think there's something nice about introducing those games to your audience because a lot of people that are now into tournaments and into pinball are only recently into tournaments and pinball. So they don't know the old stuff. That's true. Yeah. We're over a hundred thousand uh, unique players in the IFPA. That's pretty incredible. It's a tremendous growth of competitive pinball. I have run tournaments that have featured over a thousand unique players with the pinball profile world tour, the played America tour and it's overwhelming the people that do not prefer Sternaments. I would absolutely disagree with that. No, 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 no. I, that, 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 this is a fact. Of the thousand people, Sternaments were not preferred because it's just you're playing fewer games. They're playing longer. You don't have a chance against the Eschers and the Jason Zollers and Raymond Davidsons and all the, the top players, whereas lesser players feel, and they're incorrect, they feel, oh, I've got a better chance on an EM or a solid state against a better player. That's not true. It's just a perception. And also, it doesn't take an hour to play one game. That's a fact. Actually, I'll tell you what it is, first and foremost. It's what machines you've got access to. Like, you know, you might not actually have access to older games. And also, one thing to note, if you have older games in your tournament, they are more prone to breaking down. So you've got to make sure you've got techs on hand that can fix those immediately. But, but back to your point... I just think you've got to look at your community that you are bringing together and decide what's best for them. I agree with the last thing you said about older machines, more likely to break down, especially EMs. Maybe it's a score reel. Maybe it's a pop bumper, not firing slings, whatever. You definitely have to tech and shop those older machines that are 30, 40 years old. But the modern machines, and I know you work for a company that sells modern machines, you have to bastardize the machines for tournaments so are you really make and you have to find the sweet spot how much are you doing uh to a machine you know i i know with the beast we went a little overboard on foo fighters we we made it very difficult extreme tight tilts tight slings 
virtual lock so you couldn't even lock in the uh overlord <laughs> you know it came right back out it was like whoa what's that virtual locks things like that we wanted less mechanical failures on machines yeah which is very sound advice to anybody i guess you could say as well with stones put pros in tournaments not premiums and le's but you know again it's what you've got access to true now that being said i just said well we changed it in the pump and dump we didn't change you can't change the state of a game during the pump and dump but once the final start we can make adjustments uh and we did that we made the tilt a little easier it was more playable if you will oh yeah yeah but you don't want long playing games and pump and dumps think about it why not at all you want those cue lines to move so if you're running a pump and dump and we had top seven games in main counted but we had a bank of 15 and we had over 100 people i don't know if i ever saw a queue larger than three people and that was rare if i saw even three there were games available yeah now classics there were 11 machines your best six counted when the classics qualifying is nearing ending, of course, you're seeing a bit of a rush and maybe it would go four deep, five deep, but for the most part, one or two deep the whole weekend because there was, and that's my advice to you if you're running one of these, have more games available. You know, I think of the money we generated and I think of a, a pump and dump format that I'm going to in September, Cleepin. I've been there several years. I wish, and if anyone from Cleveland's listening, this is my advice to you, do what you want, but have more machines in the bank. Find a way, make more machines in the bank. You will actually make more money and put more money in the pool that way. You don't want long, long queues. Get a few more games in there. That is the best advice I can give you. Yeah, and I, I'll add to that. And I, you sort of touched on it before, but I just really want to put a nice yellow highlighter over this. And that is test your games. Play them before. And it was the mistake I made with the last Melbourne Silver Board Championship in that you know, we had eight games. There was a, you know, there was EMs, there was solid states, and then there was some Sterns as well. And you know, we had to set up the bank and start the tournament on pretty much the same day. And I ran out of time and didn't get to play test one of the games. And it was actually it was Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. It played so long that I think it had like a forty-five minute queue. Usually, seven or eight people in queue and you know, two to three on all the other games. What it meant was if you you can only queue on one game. So if you're queued for 45 minutes for one game, you couldn't queue on any of the others. So it was a big regret that I didn't have enough time to just toughen it up. We did for finals, like you said. The other one thing I just wanted to add to that as well, and you sort of touched on it as well with Foo, Foo Fighters, and I, I won't name names, but if you have a long playing game and you have to bastardize it so much so it's a short playing game i guarantee to you it is not a fun game and it will mean that there's less enjoyment in that tournament if you've got all games that you've had to do that too you might have a very competitive tournament but people aren't going to have fun playing games along the way well said i agree yeah there's got to be a sweet spot and in surveying the people at the beast you know again 11 games in the classics 15 in the main and we even had nine in the women's top five games the one game that kept came back was that we made foo fighters too tough but that was it we had centaur not the lovely one that i've ordered from um haggis the or oblivion we had the original centaur but that's a game that consistently and I'm sure Haggis is on this, consistently has a problem with multi-balls getting confused coming up through that trough or whatever it is. So 
Adam Becker, uh, you know, when we, we played, we tested these machines. Bruce Nightingale tested all the classics and, and I, I tested the women's and Adam Becker tested the main. We tested them all. Going back to your thing in Melbourne Silverwall, if you're, if you get to that point where you're, okay, the tournament's going to start. I didn't test this one machine. Turn that machine off and bring it in once you have tested it. That's what I would have done. And maybe you could correct that for, for the future. If you never got around to it, just lay off it until you're ready. That's it. Yeah. It was sort of like you at the at the end of the tournament. I look back and and I wrote down a, a hundred different thing, the hundred things yeah. that I would do differently the next time. Yeah, I have twenty seven on my list for the beast okay. so far, okay. and that was the day after. But and, and they're all little things, but easy fixes. But again, so, Centaur. Yeah, we ha- we actually turned off the multi ball, and there was a sign on there. So when you change a game, by the way, whether it's virtual locks, whether it's removing ball saves, every new Stern game we removed all ball saves that were possible. Uh, Josh is going to laugh because he knows I hate that, but we did. We left the multi-ball ball save relatively decent. We turned it down a little bit, so it's not. Some games are are really really long. I think Mandalorian would be a long one, but we turned them down a little bit. So you've earned it. You get a little bit of ball save, but on rush you have to earn it. And there's a chance to do it. There's two skill shots right there. Three, I guess. Other games you can earn earn some uh, ball save, but we turned all that down. Can I can I just make a statement? I still remember. The first time I was in a tournament where there was no ball save, oh my God, that was fucking nerve wracking because you could just not get a flip and it's ball over and game yeah. over. It's like, what the fuck? That's, that's quite nerve wracking for people to have that tournament. So my advice to people that before you go to a tournament is if you've got a game at home, turn off ball save, have some practice. Oh. Make the tilts tight for sure. Absolutely yes, do all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But yep. some games require, I think, ball save like i think star wars would definitely need some sort of ball save i know you can plunge and plunge to a flipper but i would still put it on there that game's yeah. very exity um but a little bit of ball save would make people again enjoy their time more so centaur we turned off the multi-ball other games we, we did virtual locks uh, an old game like bobby Orr's power play i don't know if you see that in australia it's kind of a hockey yeah okay we disabled the center post okay so all of these changes, you have to have signage on the uh, screen so people can see if extra balls are off, or what are they worth, things like that. Oh, by the way, make sure all your extra balls are off in any tournament. Yes, yeah, yep. But And also, if you, on the older games, you can't turn extra ball off, make sure it's very clear what the rule is, whether you plunge the ball out or whether you play. If you cannot turn off extra balls and that game has to be played, my advice to you is, play extra balls because I agree. You're not going to be able to police. Yeah, I put a sign I put a sign up there. Yeah, one flip or plunge extra balls. Who's policing it? No yeah. one's policing yep. it. Yep. Yeah, it's just too hard. We'll get back to policing in a second. So, again, okay. multi-day tournaments pump and dump was pretty attractive card base format. So that's in this that's UK Open where you're trying to get your best scores on five games, but you don't get to go back to that game over and over again. It's whatever five games you pick, that's your combined score. So you have to be consistent. A lot of people, especially maybe weaker players, uh, are not fans of that because it's very, very difficult. I find that tournament really benefits the better players. Um, you don't have to put up GCs by any means, grand champions. You just have to be consistent. And that's a fun format, but that's nerve wracking because maybe you got a great first game. You got a great second game. You shit the bed on the third and now you, you're desperate to get something decent on four and five. So that's a nerve wracking format. But again, it's a, it's a form of a pump and dump because you can buy multiple tickets. There's also limited entry. Texas Pinball Festival does that. And 
there's a reason for that. And you might have to do that too. Maybe time is of the essence. Yeah. You've got to get out of that building or facility at a certain time. So limited, like um, I think Allentown is like that. Another Stern Pro Circuit event. There's a definite place for that. The sweet spot I've been told by Bob Matthews is if you get to play every game twice, that's fine. Three times, you're laughing. Any more than that is gravy. So think of that when you're running a limited tournament. How much time, Marty, did you put in before the tournament started for organizing it? Uh, Look, I was also assisting with the organizing of the whole event. So for me, it was six weeks. Six weeks, that's it? Yep. Almost six months for me for this. So this one little weekend tournament and there was no show to it like Melbourne Silver Bowl. Sure. Okay. But remember, this is the third time I put on this event. So a lot of the stuff I had to work out for the first time I've uh, already done. Yeah. yeah. So the first yeah. time probably was more in the months as opposed to weeks. Oh, gotcha. Absolutely. When you're putting together a tournament, you have to hopefully answer every question that could possibly be asked. Mm-hmm. And mm. think of that before you start the tournament. Experience in being in a lot of tournaments certainly helps. I had somebody reach out to me from Quebec and they really want to start a league and they were asking for some advice and I gave them my advice and they had mentioned that they had never played in a tournament or in a league before. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. better walk before you run. Do that first before you start running a league. What if, what if there are no leagues though? You have to start somewhere. Maybe. Uh, you know, I showed them the IFPA calendar and within you know an hour drive, at worst case scenario, you probably find some sort of tournament or one-off event on the yep. IFPA calendar. That's, that's a must. You got to see how things are scored for one things, uh, how they're, the TDs work. The TDs, anybody can be a TD, but you should really read the IFPA Papa rules. Have to. So can I, can I just make a, a full stop point right now? And that is exactly what that person from Quebec did. If you want to, if you want to start a tournament, reach out to somebody that does tournaments and get some advice. That's your first step, yeah. right there. I've got notes. I'm not going to miss anything, but there'll be some jumping back and forth. I just mentioned about the rules, and after the beast, there were a bunch of us that had dinner, and it was brought up by that we were all friends. A friend said, "You know, what would be a great idea," and I agreed with this person. It would be great if TDs had to pass a test. And it's simple, you know, all the, all the information's on the rules and just be TD certified. And I thought, that's not a bad idea. Someone's got to administer that and I don't know who could do that. So I'm talking about the theory of the idea. I like the idea of it, but, uh, you know, the logistics, that's for someone else to figure out. But I thought that was kind of neat to be able to be qualified, if you will, to be a TD. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think there's a merit to that. However, finding TDs that don't want to be in a tournament Slim pickings to begin with, so to ah. narrow that down, you know, keep going. You've probably got another point about that. Well, that was, there were two points at this dinner table. They were all complimentary of the beast and, and whatnot. And the one person was very frank and said, it was a well-run tournament, but the one thing I wish, and I wish this of all tournaments, not just yours, I wish tournament directors and techs were not allowed to play in tournaments. And before I give my answer, they said, you know, I explained this to someone who's not in pinball and they couldn't believe what you, you police your own thing. And there was a matter of, can this ever be taken seriously if you do that? And I said, you know what? I can't disagree with you. The optics of it are questionable for sure. The logistics of it, good luck. Cause I'll tell you right now, I'm not running the beast and going back and forth over five months across a country, like a, to a different country to set up this event if I don't get to play in it. 
I don't get paid for doing this. Okay, that was going to be my point. My yeah. payment is I get to play in it. Yep. And I say that because every year, you know, I, I have a small, small part in helping the crew at Indisc. And my number one thing I say every year, Carl will admit it, Jim will admit it, is that I wish Carl and Jim played in Indisc. They're putting on this wonderful event and they don't play in it. Carl's just too worried about making sure everything goes well. That's the utmost respect for that. But it, it breaks my heart that hundreds of people come to this wonderful event that is now a major and they don't get to participate in it. And I would never question any kind of legitimacy of the tournament because we all know these people and I'm fine with TDs playing in it. They just can't rule on their own uh, games. I would say if you're then going to say TDs and techs shouldn't be able to play in the tournament, then they should 100% be paid. Yeah, oh, that 100%. was 100%. That was the deal. Yeah, for sure. The person yeah. at the dinner table said, I would like to see a tech and a TD be paid. Maybe it's $300 a day to do this. Okay. And I, it was just a number out of the top of the head. There was no rhyme or reason. And I said to the person, I said, I wouldn't do it for 3000 Sure. I'm serious. Like I wouldn't it's put, fine. I wouldn't put the months of putting this together. No, you know, I didn't play in mind as well for exactly that reason, because I didn't want to be, let's say I was playing a game and something happens to the tournament that I'm running and I can't fix it. You've just got to be on the ball. Um, yep. So I, I come back to my point though, which is where do you get these people? Who are these people that are going to travel miles and miles and miles to come to an event and just get paid for it? And what sort of money would you get paid for? It's not a lot of money. I just don't think you'd find people. And where does that money come from? It comes from that $10,000 and $15,000 that I'm playing the players. And Correct. That being said, I said, I agree. The optics don't look good. There could be questionable things. All you can do is be transparent. And there were multiple TDs, multiple techs. And I just said, you know, when it comes to the techs changing the games, we, we've said, here are the changes that are made. So in a pump and dump format, even if you, wow, that felt weird. You can always play it again. Limited entry. Okay. Maybe there's some questions there. And I said to the person who said, we should uh, have TDs be paid and run tournaments. And I said, sounds great. Do you know that's available right now? That can be done. Not too many people are doing it. Very few are doing it. Eric Thorne, who does incredible work at District 82, runs massive, massive events. And, you know, he plays in it too. He doesn't, I don't know if he plays in all of them, but if he does, he's, anyway, runs a tight ship or whatever, but there are lots of TDs and stuff. And I don't ever question that kind of stuff. I can imagine to somebody outside of pinball, they're wondering, how, how's that possible? You're, if it was baseball, you have, you know, neutral umpires and referees and football and soccer, but that's what we do. It's just the, but yeah, again, what you're sort of talking about is that it's, it's, it's this really weird situation that when we want it to be governed like a proper sport, it's not big enough and there's not enough money in it to be governed like a proper sport. The big, big, big events in disc, Carl's doing that. My God, sure. Papa and, and Pinberg, the staff that they have. They don't exist, but they, but they don't exist. So we're talking about today. But they paid their, you know, they, they compensated their staff members and that's, that's great. And so they should be if they're not playing. But smaller events, it'd be tough to do so. And that would. Yeah. That's what I'm saying today. And we're, and we're talking about big tournaments. And if you think about how many really would fall into that category, there's probably, what, would there be 20, 20 tournaments not a year even. that are the big. Yeah, you know what I mean? Five. So I just think it's it's a fair comment to make where people say TDs and techs shouldn't play. The reality is this is still a dinky hobby. 
It is not high stakes sport. It's just not yet. Maybe it never will. Yeah. The solution would be it's good. The money's got to come from somewhere. And right now, because the money isn't big, we give it back to the players. And I, I'm fine with that. I remember years ago, I remember years ago, and, and maybe the maybe the tide has, has shifted somewhat, but there was a big tournament that I went to and someone was paid as a tech and there were some people bitching about it in the corner going, oh, you know, that could have been prize money. Are you fucking kidding me? Somebody- Do you know who bitched? I'll tell you who bitched. Somebody who's never run a tournament. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Guaranteed the people who bitch the most have never volunteered or maybe volunteered, but never run a tournament, never put this together and put together the balance sheet. I'm looking right now at my balance sheet for the beast. Do you want to know what the surplus was? And I, by the way, I showed every single person at the dinner table. I said, here, I don't mind showing you this. The surplus was $8. So I made okay. $8 on this bet. Well, fucking that was eight more dollars That's than I made. Eight bucks, baby. You fucking paid me. <laughs> Buck up. Well, I, remember, I remember I used to tell you when I would, when I, had the Melbourne Silver Ball League. So this is before we had the championship. It used to cost me 100 to 200 bucks ah, every month okay. of my own money in prizes. No. Now that being said, I was running this. I made a balance sheet. I had an admin fee of $80 and people asked where the $80 went. And I said, well, think about it. And I explained. Up your nose, obviously. Uh, yeah, a little in the bum. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> I was about to say suppository, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're back. Me. Final round. Ah, you cut. You got me. <laughs> no. Okay. Where did the money go? Where did the money go? Well, I ran a tournament at a wonderful venue called Pocketeer Billiards. That is a coin drop place. And we agreed, Barry and Cindy Gluckstein, that for me to run it there, these cannot be on coin drop. I don't want people putting in Canadian quarters, fucking up the machines or coin boxes getting jammed or things that can happen that can slow down the process. I wanted them all in free play. So we negotiated a price based on per player to turn these on free play. They were happy. I was happy. It was all good. But that was the bulk of the $80. Uh, and, and that's between them and I. I uh, wanted some artwork done. You can't expect that stuff to be done for free. And I gladly paid for that to be done because here's another thing. You want a tournament to be big, you better look big. And so, yeah. <laughs> like, really? Promote big. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. You got to think about the promotions. So there was the printing of the posters and, and, and whatnot. There was, we had to deliver a bunch of machines. I wasn't going to ask people to deliver this on their own. I mean, some did that were local, but some were from far out of town. There were 10 machines brought in. I made arrangements with the, those people. What do you need from me to bring these machines? If it was a price I could agree with, we were good. And that, that went into the bin fee. You know, there are supplies and things, little little things uh, you've got to account for. you got to pay the IFPA for all your tournaments. I had five. What else did we have? We had little knickknacks that we gave people, so a little bit of merch and stuff. Not a lot, but uh, just a little something to remember the tournament by. What else? Uh, you get dinged on Venmo. You get dinged on uh, PayPal. Maybe it's a buck or two a transaction. It's stupid, uh, but that's what happens. Had to have a bunch of uh, signage and banners. And, uh, oh, here's where I did something. And they didn't know they were getting this, but I had a core staff of about four or five people. I gave them money for food for working Friday, Saturday, I, and that came out of the admin fee, and I had no problem doing that. They didn't ask, and I had it budgeted, and I felt good about it. They are more likely to probably come back next year, which is really important, because hopefully they had a good time, and they were looked after. They didn't ask. I was doing it anyway. Shipping fees. What else? Uh, yeah. 
We understand. We understand. There's no look. As I, there's no, nothing to do it. Like I, as I said, when I did Melbourne Super Bowl, I was probably five six hundred bucks in the can myself. Right? It's, yeah. It's one of those things that you've got to understand. The, the, there's two sides of this. If you're wanting to do a big tournament like that, there's just an expectation that you won't make any money. You'll probably go grey in the process. You, you might lose money on it, but you'll have the satisfaction of running a great tournament. Then there's the players. Can you just appreciate the people that are putting these on that they are no – one's, no one's sitting there having a, a fun time. They're all on edge trying to make sure that this tournament runs as smoothly as possible. And, and we always say, like, particularly in Melbourne Super Bowl, there was so much behind the scenes that was going wrong but as long as the player doesn't see it and they just think they're having a great time, that's all that matters. So appreciate the likes of you, not me anymore because I don't do them, but people that put on these big tournaments. So you talk about um, Jimmy and Lambo. Oh, I mean, if you saw social media, you can understand there was some fallout from that because the tournament directors, the people running it, it's high stress. I, I look at a name names, though it's hard not to know, but I remember when I was at TPF, and I was, you know, happened to be walking past the um, tournament area and happened to speak to, let's say, one of the organisers who was like, I am fucking sick of this, never again. This is fucking too much. Because right in the storm, it's really hard and it's really stressful and you have no return for this. Just understand that. There's no return. It's thankless as fuck. You know, a little known fact before he, uh, and you're not talking about this person, but a little known fact uh, about Colin McAlpine. I think he listens to this program. I wasn't talking about him for sure. Definitely not. No, no, no. Absolutely. But, 100% not. Definitely not. I know. But he, uh, before TPF, he was six foot four with a flowing mane of hair. And, <laughs> and look at him now, folks. So that's what TDing does. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, and he's been killed twice on this program by Marty. So there's those things that have <laughs> weighed on poor Colin. Anyway. So, so anyway, I'm not saying it was Colin McAlpine, but I just remember looking at that person's face and what they were saying. And I just thought to myself, I know exactly how you feel. And there's only a handful of people in the world that would know exactly how you feel. But again, actually, Colin was a good source for me. Uh, for this running this beast because he's used to running big big tournaments i leaned on a lot of people Derek thompson of yegpin for sure carl d'angelo for sure and i hope i'm not forgetting too many people but people that i know have run big events i asked a lot of questions and they gave me a lot of great advice but um they too all of them are answering these questions that are going to be asked in the tournament and therefore it's going to be less stressful for them because they know they can anticipate it so that's the advice of doing that but um, yeah, so are you running the tournament for Whoppers? Are you running it to generate money? Are you running it for good times? The perfect tournament is all three. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not possible. I wanted all three. And in fact, the okay. thing I cared the most about, and I think I told you, and I know I told other friends is all I want is when people are done this tournament, they had a good time. Yep. And because what you would hope is that if people are having a good time, those other things should follow if you've got your eye on them as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we're saying before about if you if you set your games up too rough, people won't have fun. If you set them up too long, people won't have fun. If the points aren't worth enough, some people won't have fun. 
if you don't yeah. give recognition or if you don't have prizes, some people won't have fun. Some people, some people will have fun. Some people just love being there and just flipping and talking and that's all they need. It's a good point. I uh, had a lot of good feedback on, on things to do for next year I'm going to do. I didn't have a B division. And so you made the main tournament and I didn't have a B division. But I had a three strikes tournament for those that didn't make the playoffs. So in my ways, that was the B tournament. Okay. But that's a lot of money invested. And some people think I'll never make the A's. I'll never make the top 24. So I am going to add a, a B division next year. It might only be the top eight and I'll still run the Sunday three strikes tournament. But then, you know, you don't have to think, okay, I'm putting all this money in. Now I've, now I've got a chance at, at something, uh, a playoff, some bucks and... I'm glad to do that next year, but that was one of the things I had to figure out the logistics of how I was going to do. I didn't want the B's and the A's cluttered playing the same time, but I've, I've found a way to, to make that happen. But we keep talking about me, 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 and I, I don't like doing that because I had to have 80 volunteer shifts covered to make this seem like, uh, you know, there's always somebody available to help out, whether it's on the booth and texts and of course, TDs. That's a lot. And you can't do it without volunteers. It's impossible. So you have to give volunteers something. And a lot of tournaments, and I just didn't recreate the wheel, will give, here's some free entries based on how many hours you, you cover. Here's a window where you can play before the main people play, a volunteer hour. I think those are important things you can give volunteers. And I gave them extra raffle tickets too. I had these huge raffle prizes. Again, you, you volunteered, you rise to the cream of the crop. You helped me out and you helped everyone else out. You get a little something, something. How do you manage the different personalities that you have at these tournaments? Because usually it's a TD or it could be a score taker that are in the firing line. And I say this because for the most part, people are good. You know what? In general, most people are good. There are, however, some people that are a little bit unruly for a number of different reasons. So wanted to get your thoughts on how you prepare for that. That is so funny that you say that because before the tournament was started, I sent out all my volunteers, texts and TDs a note thanking them and explaining the compensation that would be done. But I also had a column called Conduct and I'm going to read it verbatim. To all of you, please note sometimes players get upset and a small few of them can even be rude. I will not, as the TD, tolerate any behavior that is of extreme nature to anyone helping with the beast. If you should encounter this, please say to the player, let me get Jeff to help you. I'll take the complaints from there. I'm lucky that didn't happen, but I did put that in there. And conversely, I wrote this. For this event to be successful and grow annually, the most important thing to me is that all players enjoy their time at the beast and pocket your billiards. Complaints can go both ways. I know this goes without saying, but please make sure you are polite to each player. They may ask questions that seem simple or dumb, but please try your best to assist positively. You are not only representing the beast, but also pocket your billiards and pinball profile. I don't want my fucking brand wrecked, okay? Sure. That's fair enough. But remember, the players are stressed by their play. They are traveling. They are spending good money. And they are evaluating their thoughts on whether they enjoyed the beast. A positive experience will help this event grow. So I actually sent that to all my volunteers. Yep. Because it's exactly what you... And you're right. It, it can go both ways. Someone's going to get bummed out by a ruling in a TD makes, right? It's obviously going to affect one person one way and the others another way. So all mm. you can do is be consistent with the rules. You have to be consistent. 
use the IFPA, use Papa rules, then there's nothing, there, there hopefully isn't any gray area. Yep, good. So as a player, <laughs> if you come up against someone that's unruly in a tournament as well, it's an interesting position because what tends to happen is these people, in a way, they twist it to make you feel like you're in the wrong and that their behavior is acceptable because they're possibly a good player. So if you feel uncomfortable in a tournament because of somebody's behavior, go and talk to a TD, go and talk to an organizer, just go and just bring it up, have a conversation. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm complaining. It can be just in the line of, hey, is this normal behavior? I just want to check to see if this is okay. There were a few incidences where maybe the game screwed them or something or somebody made a noise and it disturbed them and and they kind of brought it to my attention or whatever the case may be. I'd listen to the story and I thought my goal is to make them understand what happened. We can address it. We can fix it, but I want them happy. And sometimes it's like, hey, can I give you a free game for the one that you just got stressed out? doesn't cost me anything. You get another crack at it in this format of tournament and I would do that. It didn't happen a lot, but I know they came away happy. That's one part of it, obviously, making sure that everybody has a good time. But how do you make sure that the person doing that behavior knows that that behavior is incorrect? And, and I'll give you a, a, oh, okay, an, I see. an example. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, how do you continue to improve the culture so there's less of it in future? And one of the, one of the things that I, I note as well is usually when people go off, they are affecting people not only in their group, but also other people that are playing machines at the same time. And it's just, it's distracting for a lot of people. And it's just, sometimes it's very unsports-like. Had that happen twice. And I pulled them aside and I said, I just want to talk to you about the outbursts and maybe the shaking of the machines. This isn't a warning. This isn't a yellow card, but I'm going to bring it up to the other TDs to watch this behavior because it is affecting other players. And if you can just tone it down a little bit, that would be great for us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to be at this venue and, and a lot of people brought their machines and we just want to have a good time. And they were wonderful with it. They were fine because, you know, they weren't punished, but they knew I knew. That's how I handled it. Yeah, good. Excellent. And then I went and sent a message to um, the TDs and I said, watch out for this fucking cunt. <laughs> this fucker. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. All I was going to say sometimes, sometimes when you turn up a tournament and there's one person that's always a complete cunt and they turn up and you just go, oh, this is going to be interesting. I noticed one player, I'm not going to mention their name, and a nice person, but they, on four games within a short period of time, complained about this, 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 this. I flagged that person. Okay, guys, this this guy's just nonstop <laughs> bitching and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just keep an eye. Just trying to get an edge or whatever and maybe f- a lot of times this is a location pinball so imagine you're there all the time you're there all the time and you're used to everything being such and such and we come in there and we change the settings it's gonna be whoa whoa what happened to this game i i thought i knew like the back of my hand it's something like that Mm -hmm. yeah so you have to have software and you have to be knowledgeable of software correct there are two that i think are elite and of course never drain software is used in a lot of these pump and dumps that is carl d'angelo's you see it at Yagpin, you see it at Indisc, a lot of the major Stern Pro Circuit events. That is what we used. Uh, we also used Andreas's wonderful Match Play software, which is just actually a lot better. The Next Dot Match Play events. You probably haven't even been on it since uh, he, he revised it. It's really good now. 
Yeah, no, I, I haven't. And when I was doing monthly um, competitions or tournaments, match play was the go, the the big um, Melbourne Super Bowl championship because of the number of players. Never Drains was better. And I actually, I'll tell you the, re- the reason why Never Drains is better and maybe match play is like this now, but Never Drains manages the player registration and also the monetary side of entries as well very well. It's elite for that. And in fact, it has a prize pool function that a lot of tournaments don't use, but I advertised that I was going to show people. And I physically showed at least 10 different people, here's $20 for entry. Look at the prize pool before I enter it. And then, okay, I'm going to enter it now. Look at the prize pool. Oh, look, it went up by $20. I showed that aspect. I thought that was pretty cool that Carl had that. And match play is great for, it helps the streamers a lot too. Like I wanted to make sure we had streaming and the wonderful people at TPN, the pinballers, the Castlemans from Ottawa did a fantastic job. Their first big, big event, they stepped up their gear and their equipment. And uh, I can't be more happy than what they did. They're already on board for 2024. but. The match play really helped them with their software too and, and being able to link that on the stream. A couple of tournaments I ran, and that would have been the three strikes tournament on Sunday and then the Thursday warm-up, I had it set up so that players can enter their own results. You don't have to put in scores, but who's first, who was second, who was third, who was fourth. A godsend. It was absolutely great, and that's one of the benefits of match play. Yep, absolutely. We talked about changing the machines. I've got it written down here. You really do need to do that, and you have to think of... If you watch any IFPA big events, especially on EMs, when you get to that playoff, if there are four different score reels for an EM, like we had on, say, Bow and Arrow, we actually played them as one-player games. It is a lesson learned from years ago. You would hate to see a tilt-through affect somebody. So we do it for that reason. We also do the biggest reason, I think, and Adam Becker told me this, is I know score reel number one is working. It's been working all weekend. I don't know about score real two and three and four. And what if we get to player four and it's buggered up? So that's another reason they do the one player EMs. Make sense? Yep, it does. The changing of the software, we talked about mechanical things. If you can avoid anything that mechanical that could possibly screw up, virtual locks are an absolute must. Now, some people don't like games that have ball stealing, a game like Sorcerer. I'm fine with games like that. Just, you know, it's not going to affect the the game when you're playing in the pump and dump, but you need to make sure if you have a game like that, that Marty plays a game and he leaves two balls in the lock or the Powerball is the next one to come up on Twilight Zone and the next person comes up there, all right, I start with the Powerball or I've got two in the lock. It's going to be a lot easier. You've got to think of if games like that make sense to play in a pump and dump or how do you reset Correct. the power cycle? Correct. Correct. It's also, again, knowing it's knowing your audience. Like if you've got the top, top players, they're all going to understand the strategic side of lock stealing. There's, there'll be some players that just won't understand it because they haven't experienced it. I learned something at the Beast I didn't know, and I bet you didn't know this. And anybody who's a TD should know this. Somebody asked me, is it okay if I use Insider Connected? And I thought, oh, yeah, what's the big deal? And quickly, it was abolished. In fact, we took the dongles out of the machines that had it because on some games, especially Venom, and we're going to talk more about Venom, by the way, later in this program, a game like Venom, you can have progress on your Venom machine at home and apply it to wherever you're playing. And Um, I think Turtles does that too and some other games. 
which by the way is a great feature for a home game i think that's pretty cool that you can do that i know i can go play rush anywhere and and bring on the special songs i've unlocked on any machine which is kind of fun but there are point advantages so you have to disable that kind of stuff i didn't know that yeah there you go yep i haven't played venom yet i've watched a lot of the streams and again we're gonna get more into it but i do like that kind of feature i think if it's really really hard to get to this whatever level and you can just keep progressing every time you do it isn't that kind of like a video game yep yep i think it's a great idea so all these things we talk about oh you have to have equipment too so i've got a lot of volunteers i've got a lot of scorekeepers i had to get a bunch of tablets you know to make sure the software is being used i can't ask people to use their phones and their data and all that kind of stuff do you have monitors for cues do you have a laptop for administration or for again showing these cues these things are all really important. Do you have a lot of cords for charging? Mm-hmm. Is the equipment out of people's way? Things like that. The last big note I had was, again, transparency. And you don't have to show a balance sheet to everybody. But, uh, you know, you have to explain where the money's going. And sadly, Marty, there are a lot of tournaments. Not a lot. There are a few. And there are Stern Pro Circuit events that every year get questioned about the transparency. And they're not doing themselves any favor by not being transparent. People will show up anyway, but transparency just goes so far. And again, if you're paying a tech, if you're paying delivery, if you're paying a TD, great, no problem. Just let people know because people can add up the entries and figure out how much money is going into a pool and they wonder where the hell it's going. Okay. Here's the question then. Is there a problem putting on a tournament to make money? No, as long as you're transparent. But even if you're not transparent, like, what does it matter? I think it's optics. I I would imagine that there's not that many people that truly care. As I said before, I think the most people are just there, put their hat in the ring, have a bit of fun. Maybe they'll do well. Maybe they'll get into the finals. But I don't think the majority of people care. I think it's the, the top players and the people that stand to earn money. I think that's important to them. But the reason why I bring that up is I think that there's a stigma that people think that you should not make a dime in a tournament. And I know there was a tournament a few years ago that is no longer, that might have been near where you had yours, that um, was criticised because they did make money. I don't care if that's what you want to do. If you let people know beforehand, that's great because you can make the choice whether you want to go or not. You know, when you go to a Stern Pro Circuit event and you go to Pinball at the Zoo, which is in Kalamazoo, Michigan, you know that every dollar minus whatever the admin fees are going into charity. Okay, great. Got it. Piece of cake. I know that. Eric Thorne, again, District 82, you know it costs this much and he tells you this much is admin. It covers the wonderful facility and maintaining 100 machines and teching and parts and power and all that kind of stuff, buying trophies. And then this is the money that's going into the prize pool. You know that going in and you can choose to go or not go. And again, I cannot stress enough. Transparency is the key. It just takes all the weight off your shoulders. People then can do what they want. If you still complain after the transparency, well, that's on you. I mean, that's you knew about it going in and you can choose to go or not go. But I don't think you can bitch about it. I've seen some tournaments wrongly get criticized for being transparent. I think that is ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. And and look, again, no one's buying a Ferrari from these tournaments. And if they are making money, 
I can tell you now it's probably to cover the expenses that they've already had three months leading up to the event. So it's coming back to my point. I don't, me personally, I'm only one person, I don't care whether someone makes money and I don't even need transparency. It's not a fucking public company, you know? It's just a fucking tournament. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be scrutiny. You don't have to open your fucking books. I think that's bullshit. True. But do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is just a hobby. It's just a hobby where people are having fun. But if you know that certain practices put people's noses out of joint, don't do it. There's that. And you're right. The, the, the best way to do that is to be transparent. It's just a, it's advice. My number one goal was to, for people to have fun. So I wanted to eliminate any question of a doubt where any dollar was going. I didn't want to make a cent off this thing. Any money I made was that I earned by playing in the tournament. Oh, but you're a TD. You shouldn't be playing. Ah, fuck off. I'm, that, that was my payment for, I'm going to play in the tournament whether I'm running it or not. And if I'm not running it, the tournament doesn't exist. So fuck off. There. Did I say that? Succinct? Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think you made a mistake. I mean, maybe you're just a better person than I am. I don't think you should have paid. I was not ever going to pay a cent out of my pocket for this, to do this. My payment was a lot of time. Same with the profile tours I did. didn't want to make money off it. I just wanted to cover all the costs I have and keep the cost as low as possible for the player and give back as much as possible. Everybody got a shirt. They got something out of it. A lot of these prizes. You know, I, I made the value what I think was good, and I did the same for, I believe, The Beast. I think a lot of better shows, you know, like there are shows that have, uh, you're paying an admin fee, but you're also getting to go to a great show like Brisbane Masters, like Yagpin, or games are on free play. You know, there's big value in that too. But you have to decide as a player what is worth your time and money. And again, it's available right now for any TD to create a tournament where they don't plan it and they pay themselves. It's available right now. Very few do that. Very few. We've just covered so much stuff. And, you know, it's trying to be the definitive view. All of it is recommendations. It's advice from you that's just recently had a very successful tournament. And I know that, as I said, I've seen so much positive feedback. The, the tournaments that I ran, I had really positive feedback, had very, very little negative at all. So we've also been in a lot of big tournaments as well. So I think we are well-versed in this situation to give you some good advice. So it is just advice. Take it for what you will. Do we talk other things now? Uh, That's enough. Yeah. So let's talk about Venom because we recorded the podcast I want to say maybe two days before it was revealed. And I don't necessarily want to talk too much about Venom uh, because it is what it is. It's interesting because from what I've seen, it hasn't sold as well as the likes of Foo Fighters. And the only thing that I can really put my finger on is one, is the theme. I don't think Venom is a theme that's for Everyone. I mean, I still haven't seen any of the films and I don't think, I personally don't think Venom is an A-list superhero. There you go. I've said it. But I've read a lot of people's thoughts and people will sort of say, oh, you know, the theme's not for me. But also the one thing that people keep bringing up is that it's a fan layout. And I wanted to talk about that because there has been some negative connotation with fan layouts. 
First things first, we're going to get to the fan layout. The theme, my thoughts, I think it's a great theme. I think it's perfect for pinball. I love the, the comic book edition. I love that Jeremy Packer did incredible artwork on it. It looks pretty deep, looks fun. I'm dying to play the game. I like that there's on the premium and the LE three unique kind of playfield settings. That's pretty funky. Yeah. That yep, is really, agree. really cool. Really cool. Uh, I mentioned about the insider connected progress. That's awesome. I sent Dwight a text. I said, this is going to be a homeowner's delight. But I get the fatigue of, oh, fuck, another superhero. It's the same with seeing movies, right? There's a lot of freaking superhero movies. Like, that's all Hollywood can make nowadays. And I get that fatigue, but all I care about, I've never cared about theme, although a lot of people do, is does it shoot well? Is the code going to be good? For the eyeball test, yeah, on both counts. Now back to the fan layout. I'll just double down on that in that I think the code looks really inventive. Just Dwight's just trying some new stuff and I think it's going to land quite well. I also like the look of that. Like I was sort of saying I'm a bit fatigued with the comic book art. With this in particular, the side art on the LE just looks amazing. I think they've done really well. But the reason why I wanted to say fan layouts is because people were just sort of saying, oh, you know, all the shots seem the same and everything's right at the back. I think some facetious comment was it might as well be a multimorphic game because it's all at the back quarter of the game, which... First of all, multimorphic games are fucking awesome, so I don't agree with that. Yeah, it was, well, and even if, if so, it's a compliment, so thank you. But then I just thought to myself, I wonder, I wonder how many fan layouts are in, let's say, the top, I don't know, 25 or so on pin side. And you, you only have to go to number number two, which is Medieval Madness. Medieval Madness is a fan layout. Yeah. Does it, does it feel like you're just shooting all these things at the back of the play field? I think the saucer is kind of mid play field, a little higher up, closer than the back end. You've got the side catapult shot. Mm, yep. You know, the trolls when they come up, they're mid play field. Yep. Okay. I can see the fan layout argument if that's a concern of yours, but it doesn't bother me. I mean. No, I, my, my argument is that I like fan layouts. I like them. Listen. And. The Foo Fighters really was a game changer, right? I, I remember seeing sure. it. I'm like, wow, you know. You look at a game like Radical, and you're like, that's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And and Foo Fighters is the first game that reminded me of Radical. And when I told Jack that, he said I couldn't pay him a higher compliment, right? And I was sincere. And so to go from Foo Fighters to this, yeah, you're going to maybe perceive like, oh, we've gone back as far as layouts. But, I mean, look at how many great fan layouts are. Tons, 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 tons. Okay, so here's my list, right? And some of these might be debatable, but this is this is going from top bottom. So Medieval Madness, yes. Attack from Mars, yes. I'm going to come back to Deadpool. Elvira House of Horrors. Monster Bash. Cactus Canyon. Lord of the Rings. Wow, all turds. <laughs> They're great games. Metallica. What else have we got? Keep going down. Stranger Things. Well, Stranger Things, controversial because same designer. Batman 66. Yeah. ACDC. You're a fan layout you know. fan as well, aren't you? I, I, I am. But what I, the reason why I wanted to name all of those, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, let's say 13 out of the top 27 or so. Nice round number, 27. Nice job. 27. Well, I said 29, but, but I didn't go down to scared stiff, which is also another one. But what I wanted to make the point of is that none of these games play the same. They just don't. So just because you've got two flippers down the bottom 
and all the shots towards the back or some of them half. Fan layout is not the same game. Especially with Venom, the way it changes from player to player, ball to ball. Correct. So what you've got to understand about about pinball in general, but fan layouts, fan layouts, fan layouts, it's all about, it's about the speed. It's about the cadence. It's about the pace in which you hit a shot and when it comes back to your flipper, what are you going to do next? A lot of the fan layouts are on the fly and it's a lot of flow as well. What's interesting about Venom is it's got all these ways the ball comes back differently, which I think makes it interesting. Again, love the layout, love the variety, the code. You're right. I think Dwight's got it. You know, he he always wants to put a lot into a pinball machine and he has put a lot into pinball machine. And the trick is always, okay, can I balance it so people aren't always choosing the same path? I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason why I to bring that up because I just, when everyone was saying, a lot of people were saying it's just a fan layout. I just went, well, why is that said as a derogatory term? Like, fan layouts are good good games, guys. Hmm. So, there you go. I didn't hear those complaints. I don't know where you saw them. Is it just Facebook, Pinside? What is it? Social media. So, all of those. Facebook, uh, Pinside, where, wherever you're going to get complaints. X. Is- <laughs> we haven't even talked about How fucked did Gene X Wong Gene get? Gene X Wong got absolutely stitched up. Didn't even buy him you dinner and so after well. he got fucked. No, I didn't even lube him up. Just straight in. But I, I did say, I, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was news for maybe 24, 48 hours. And I did see like an interview with him that a news station did. And Gene was just, I mean, awesome. I mean, I've met Gene, you've met Gene, Gene's awesome. But he was just sort of like, yeah, I expected this would happen. That's all right. We were talking in Edmonton and I said, what do you want? Like, is it a Tesla? <laughs> like 100,000 something? Like, was there a number here? And uh, the number was a lot of zeros, just not a one in front of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was with a decimal point, but sure. just past the one. Poor Gene. Oh, well. Yeah. Did you see the handle they gave him? Yes. What was it like? It's like one, two, three, seven, six, nine for the X? Uh, hey, Elon, you're not naming your child. This is a guy's Twitter handle. Yes. Like, fuck. It's exactly like that. Fuck. Oh, so, well, for those people that don't know, Gene X Wong, who is a fantastic person and pinball player and also does orange photography, so please support orange photography, he had the Twitter handle at X. When Twitter was then changed to X by Elon Musk, they took the at X from Gene X Wong with an email that said, hey, we're taking it, but compensation for you having this for 16 years and us stealing it from you, we will give you merch, some merchandise that you can select, and a tour of our office. <laughs> you kidding me? Oh, he was Roger Royally. He really was. Oh, as I said, there was at least four fingers there. <laughs> that is a double fisting. Poor Gene. <laughs> Poor Gene. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. And by the way, Gene, yes, he's a pinball player. He's part of the Indus crew. He's the official photographer of Indus. It's not like he's just got a few followers. He has 28,000 followers too because of his work he does. He's like the go-to person for female bodybuilding. What's that wonderful pinball machine, Hard Body? Sure. Or is it Rachel yeah. McLeish or something like that? Like he's, he's filmed her and stuff. And Wow, okay. Anyway, so like he's a big, big, big wig in that world and, and other things that he does. So 
anyway, poor Gene. Oh, well, I'll never talk to him again because I can't find his X handle. <laughs> but it was, it was good to see in that, in that interview and also every photo that you see of him, it's either shown that he's got an orange photography t-shirt on yeah. or it is mentioned. So at, at, at least, hopefully, it's good PR for his business. Yep, for sure. Anyway, poor Gene. <laughs> Imagine if you had that handle and you were a movie reviewer. Oh, segue. Oh. <laughs> Is that the best you can do? Uh, it's late. It's like fucking one o'clock in the morning here. I stay up late so that you can stay up in the afternoon and have a few sips of gin. So what time is it? It's one o'clock in the morning. Where you, you know I'm not a big drinker, right? Right. I know that, which okay. really surprises me. It's funny. I, oh, I gave blood. And they, uh, which by the way, you should do. It should really help out. I gave blood and it had been a while and they asked, well, how many drinks do you normally have in a week? And I went, a week? I said, I think I've had maybe five this calendar year. It's not something I do. And, but that's not saying I don't enjoy it. I just, uh, I couldn't remember any this month. And, and then so me and my wife, Anne, and another couple, we went to a German restaurant because I was talking about my trip in Germany and it was so good. This place in Hamilton, Ontario. God, it was good. And uh, kind of reminded me of being in Germany and the schnitzel and all that good stuff. And everyone's got a drink. I'm like, ah, fuck, I'll have a drink. I wasn't even driving. I'm like, and I saw the first name I recognized. And I can't remember what's in the drink, except the first thing I saw was gin. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Mm. I ordered a Tom Collins. Sure. Do you like yeah. those? Um, I Too fruity? No. Too no, sweet? No, I actually, I actually do like um, sweet drinks. But- I don't really do cocktails. I, if, if it's gin, it's just gin and tonic. That's it. Gotcha. Well, I had a Tom Collins and, and my wife laughed at me. She goes, what have you had that? I go, uh, maybe last one was in Vegas. So my trick was whenever I go to Vegas, I would, okay, if I'm in Vegas, you're seeing a drunk Jeff. I'm just letting you know right now. Why? Because they're giving it to you for free. I know. It's the best. <laughs> Yeah, my friends from Italy, after Indus, uh, Flavio and Wolfgang, they were going to Vegas. I'm like, here's what you do. This is what I do, and I've been 12 times. You go, you sit down at a bar that has video poker. You put 20 bucks in, and they see you're playing, you know, a dollar game or something like that. What can I get you to drink? The drinks are free because you're playing. But so that's, that's my plan just to get a quick buzz on. And when I say quick buzz, I'm fucking schnookered by noon. <laughs> much to the delight of Anne and anybody I'm with, but it's fun. It's good times. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm a fun drunk. Anyway, but I don't really know what to drink. I can't just order fireballs. That's a shot and f that's for shits and giggles. So people would come up and say, can I have a Tom Collins? I'm like, yeah, let me try one of those too. Like not knowing what it is. First time I ever had a Long Island iced tea. I'm like, somebody said it. I'm like, sure, I'll try that. They're now mm -hmm. like some of my favorite drinks and I never get them at home or anywhere else? Oh, there's one I want to try. I think it's gin. I can't remember. Fuck, I don't even remember. Um, French 75. Have you heard of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Have you had a mojito? Probably. I can't tell yeah. what's in it, but sounds That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> I like Mojito's the name. <laughs> French 75. Um, Somebody was telling me about this and I was like, yeah, okay. So it's a cocktail made from gin, champagne, lemon juice, and sugar. So that's very similar to a Tom Collins, except ah. Tom Collins doesn't have champagne. Okay. I'm in. I'm dying to try yeah. these French 75s now. Yeah. Okay. Um, mojito. Go on, mojito. What's in that? You'll, um, oof, alcohol. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, it's a tr tr traditional Cuban punch. 
consists of five ingredients, white rum, sugar, lime juice, soda water, and mint. I'm in. <laughs> it's great. It sounds good. I've got to tell you, it's really good. Well, so, so we're drinking, we're, we're eating at this restaurant, and I'm like, you know, I think fucking Marty's rubbing off of me and Dr. Penn too. I really yeah. like gin. Yeah. And that's because for, for many, many years, gin was shit. But in the last six, seven years ago, like when the gin renaissance happened, gin's got good. When was it shit, like beef eater gin, that stuff? Yeah, when when really you had a choice of beef eater. Um, What's on the tange? What's it, tange? Tanqueray. Yeah. Tanqueray 10. Um, and everyone was like, oh, you know, Hendrix. or oh, Hendrix is the No, it's still also shit. But it was when they started really adding some nice botanicals to gin. That's when it became good. So I, oh, yeah. I think this is a gin. Bombay Sapphire. So Bombay Sapphire, yeah. Again, it's still a pretty – okay, here's what I'll say. Gin – is great no matter what. Even shitty cheap gin is still fine. But, and, and I would say Bombay Sapphire is sort of your entry level-ish. Right. Step up from Beef Eater and Gordon's, but it's still your entry-ish level. Everything I've heard about that is the first one is okay. The second one, now you're in trouble. Not for you. You're, you've got no soul, but I mean, like for normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just do better. Is what I'm saying. Okay. So, but Four if someone's pillars. like, oh my God, Bombay Sapphire is my favorite gin. I'd be like, good for you. Well done. It's fine. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just happy the more people drinking gin, the better. Anyway. Um, so we're going to talk about movies. No, we're well, not really. Just you mentioned last time we spoke that you saw three movies and one of them was a surprise and that was The Flash. Yeah. I said Indiana Jones was shit and Mission Impossible Correct. was fine. You said it was fine. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So I decided to watch The Flash. And I don't want to give too much away, people. But let me just say this. I thoroughly enjoyed it, by the way. If I'd only watched the first 15 minutes of it, maybe even first half an hour, I would have been put off. I think the more you watch it, the more you understand how clever, clever it is to have the multiple characters on the screen at the same time through the entire movie, it was, I, I just thought it was a very, very clever movie and a very clever story. I cannot believe it bombed at the movies. I, mean, I think a lot, probably the actor culture to do with that. Cancel culture. But it's a shame because it's a really good film. Yeah, I liked it. I've actually seen it a fourth time. I've seen it at home. My son wanted to watch it. There you go. I'm, I'm going to watch it again. That's funny about the first 15 minutes. Didn't do it for you. And I will spoil it. There's a scene where the Flash has to save a hospital and six newborn babies are flying through the air. One's about oh, to have great. acid poured on them. The one's got yep. knives coming at it. The other one's about yep. to be... <laughs> sta- it's crazy. That is... It was like, am I watching The Boys? This is awesome. Yeah. I, there was definitely some boys-like feeling towards it. I tell you that the reason why I said the first 15 minutes is his personality is quite jarring to begin with. But not only does his personality change throughout the movie, you know, he becomes a, a lot less dorky, if that makes sense. And yeah. I think they were trying to play up to the dorkiness too much too early. Fair enough. I get it. Good story. I'm glad you liked it. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, thank you very for the rec- recommendation. I also watched, even though I've been out for a couple of weeks, I'm going to try and relate this back to Pinball. I also watched, which came out a couple of years ago, Mortal Kombat. Okay. I've never seen it. Okay, so there were two Mortal Kombat movies that came out ages ago. They were really ordinary. This one is a solid B. 
a B plus if you can stretch it. Actually, it has a lot going for it. The lack of good actors is probably the thing that's going against it. It is it's sort of a B grade movie. But I was talking to somebody, somebody at work that's sort of getting into people going, why haven't they done a Mortal Kombat pinball machine? How many times why have we mentioned be- video games would be great for I know. Yeah, Mortal I agree. And, and I don't even know the game. Movie. I, I know there's a Sub-Zero character and I forgot the other one's name. Look, there's two. Scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah, Liu Kang. But you know. think of think of Transformers. You pick the uh, Autobots or what's the other one? Decepticons. Decepticons. Why couldn't you do that in this? Are you Team Sub Zero or you Team Scorpion? Oh, for sure. You 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 the side of good or evil. Absolutely. I mean, the the closest we've got to it, obviously, is the Street Fighter pinball machine. Which every second shots in multi ball. No, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. I I am so in the minority here. I find Street Fighter, the Gottlieb Street Fighter game, fun. I do. It was I in Indisc last year. There you go. This, uh, but you know, those Gottlieb Premier games, it would have to have been a Jim Belsito game. He has yes. all of those Gottlieb Premiers. It has to be. Oh, for so, sure. Because oh, I remember when I won, we had Barbed Wire one year at Indisc. The next year we had Waterworld. Come on, Jim. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. Bring it back to pinball. Come on, someone do a Mortal Kombat. I, do you know what it is though? I think I think if that Mortal Kombat movie had been an absolute blockbuster, then I reckon you would see a Mortal Kombat pinball machine. Which company is more likely to do Mortal Kombat? To me, I think it's spooky. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Because again, they don't need to make 20,000 of them. They just need to make 1,500 or 2,000. But I think the best format easily would be multimorphic. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like, you want a video yeah. mode? Here you go. Yeah, you want a fatality? Show us it. Yeah. Three buttons on each side? That would be insane. Yeah, good video mode. What mm-hmm. do you reckon? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So for, for next show, what movie do you want me to watch? I'll think of that while we're talking here. And I have to figure out what you haven't seen. But I saw a movie. In fact, I tried seeing it two weeks ago. It had been out for a week. We bought tickets, we went, and there was an hour lineup, not for our reserve seats, for popcorn. I said, can I get a refund? I'm not <laughs> fucking waiting an hour to get popcorn. And we left. The theater's five minutes from my house. I said, we'll come back on a, we came back on a, I got to be careful. I might have been off work the one day. We went at yeah, three so in the- Yeah, I thought that's where you were going to go. The three in the afternoon. Uh, but uh, yeah, I went three in the afternoon. <laughs> that old Thursday or something like that. Saw Barbie. Okay. It's really fun. It's a good movie. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. It was really good. I've heard. I've heard it's quite fun. And it's a real event. I mean, the reason it was lined up is, and it wasn't all young girls by any means, but uh, it was definitely a, a, hey, let's get a group of people to go. And, and the majority of them were girls and they had a great time. And, and so did I. It was, it was, that's a fun movie. Ryan Reynolds steals every scene he's in. Your boy, your favorite Ryan comedian. Ryan Gosling, you mean? Oh, fuck yeah. Damn it. Yep. Ryan yep. Ryan. Yep. Oh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, he's great as Ken. And Michael Sarah is so awesome as Alan. And, and of course, Margot Robbie, perfectly cast and good on her for getting this movie done with Greta Gerwig. It's good. I recommend it. A lot of fun. Good messages, okay. too. You learn something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Wes Anderson films? Hit and miss. I think if you love them, you love them all. Some of them are like, eh, okay, I'm lost. The hotel one was my favorite one. 
Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Absolutely my favourite. Moonrise Kingdom was also fantastic. I, two nights ago, watched Asteroid City. Oh, that's a new one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No good? Beautiful to look at. Swing and a miss. Ooh, it's, um, don't know, don't know. I think, I think he's trying a bit too hard with this one. Poor oh. thing, bless him. Anyway, but I don't know if you've seen, it's hilarious the amount of AI videos out there of people turning movies into Wes Anderson films. That's probably why we have a SAG strike and other things. <laughs> <laughs> Because of AI, but you actually you can look at like the, there's like Lord of the Rings, and it's it's done like as if it was a trailer. Like Wes Anderson doing it. There's lots of them. They are hilarious. There you go. Better than Asteroid City is what I'm saying. Fine. You want me to give you a movie? Yes. I want you to see a comedy that you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So let's go with some classics. I'm not saying okay. they're the best movies, but Chop. I'll name some and you tell me if you've seen them or not. Okay. Have you first of all have you seen Anchorman? Yeah, we talked about okay. that a couple of you couple have? of episodes ago. You loved it. Okay, yep. you said not to watch the second one, which I won't. It's not actually the second one's not bad, but it's not nothing compared to the first one. Have you seen yep. Dumb and Dumber? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Loved it. Oh yeah, because of the Australia scene. Is from, there? Uh, <laughs> the very first opening scene. Where, where are you? Uh, where oh, are you from? So uh, Austria. Oh, <laughs> put another strip on the bobby. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, what? A, okay. Have you seen? the comedy and it might be the last great comedy that's ever been in a theater because they don't make comedies anymore we had this conversation everything everywhere all at once but keep going yeah but that's rare this is the end have you seen that spectacular movie what it's called this is the end never heard of it fuck me go watch this is the end and tell me what you think will you do it yeah yeah, absolutely this is the end it is just wow Perfect. Writing it down right now. It's uh, possibly canceled because of James Franco's in it. Oh, darn it. Hmm. Separate the actor. I know. The art from the artist. Fuck, I hate cancel culture. Anyway, whatever. I do too, but I mean, I get it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I've got a lot. I've got other comedies, but that one will do. Okay. This is the end. Okay. That's a good one. What shitty right. movie do I have to watch of yours? No, 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 no. You've seen lots of movies. I haven't. That's the the whole thing of this. Fine. I guess we had a show here because you sent us an email. We were not going to do this if you didn't put (laughs) your fingers on the keyboard and send us some love. So we did get some emails. Marty, who wrote? What did they say? And do we do the show again? Okay. So the first one is from Corey Hulse. Hi, Corey. It says, send me my email tax so that you don't (laughs) shut down the podcast. And he was, he said, with your recent discussion of curse words and your increased usage of them in the past few episodes, I wanted to pass along a Freakonomics podcast, which talks about the history of cursing. Can I tell you something? Yeah, go. About cursing. We're going to get to this, Corey. Hold on. You get your fucking email read. Do you know that I was conscious of trying not to swear whenever I did stand-up comedy? Do you know why? Um, Because you had no jokes. No, hilarious. (laughs) No. no. (laughs) <laughs> no raw nerve but yeah keep going because and i hope it doesn't come across it this way in this program it's a cheap laugh it's the making somebody uncomfortable the shock value oh yeah for sure it's yeah. not clever no that's right so is this podcast so it is no well perfect. that's a given hello <laughs> absolutely fuck, fuckity fuck 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 <laughs> yeah and i think there was a there was a uk comedian and he at one stage said 
I am no longer going to be swearing because along those lines, it's like it's it's cheap and I, I don't feel I need to resort to swearing to get a laugh. Yeah. However, for you and I, we've absolutely got to re- resort. It's the equivalent of fart jokes, really. Ooh. Anyway, so I, the big link is freakonomics.com slash podcast slash swearing is more important than you think. And he says the basic gist is that words that were previously considered taboo were related to bodily functions and body parts like your beloved cunt. In recent times, these types of words are more commonplace and accepted. Australia, Canada, and the UK have definitely embraced this quicker than the US. Meanwhile, words that are derogatory to groups of people are now more prominently are now more prominently curses compared with ten to twenty years ago. Yay! So switching to tournaments and leagues, Jeff, you are understandably pumped to win your league. What makes a good league? Format, vibe, etc. I think we covered that today. Sure. So let's say you're at a tournament. Your the three games of finals are revealed. What three games are you jumping for joy about? And what three games make you cringe? They make me cringe because I'm not good at them. So here you go. Come get me. I want to learn it. I don't know how to play turtles. You want to beat me? Play turtles. <gasps> yeah. What a yeah. Star Wars used to be it, but I'm learning it a little better. So I think I can get by in Star Wars now. Uh, I don't know. You know, Carlos De La Cerda gave me good advice a long time ago, and he's like a top ten player in the world and great guy. I used to cringe when I would see a game in a tournament and Carlos said, those are the games I go and practice right away first. And I'm like, that makes sense. Make them become your friends. So there are less of them now. I just don't ever get to play a turtle. So that's why I said turtles right off the top of my head. I can't think of anything that uh, I made sure I learned a lot of Foo Fighters. I bought a Rush to learn Rush. Yeah, I I don't think there's anything that really scares me. And And there's a lot of games I like. Give me a good spinner. Like, you know, Stargazer was in this bank. There were three of them. That was kind of fun. I've always liked Space Shuttle if it's got a juicy spinner. Anything with a juicy spinner is fun. That's it. Yeah. For for me, not that you asked, Corey, but for me. He didn't um, ask, so let's move on. He didn't. No, but <laughs> I've, I've got Star Wars for me is number one. Just that makes you cringe? Just cringe because it's just over. The game is just, it's just, it's just unfair. And speaking of unfair, my number two is Ghostbusters. Okay. Again, I, th- that used to be there for me, but I've kind of, I figured it out. Yeah. I just, I just still... I mean, I haven't had a lot of time with it recently, but I just remember in a tournament, it used to just destroy me. And the third one, strangely enough, in a tournament is Attack from Mars. Oh, wow. Just in a tournament, because usually ball save is off. And usually if you miss a shot, fuck, it's, it comes back. You've got to be very, very quick with your reactions. Do you know what game was killing me? And I like playing it a lot. It was killing me at the beast, but I couldn't survive the one shot it was... A game I'm confident on more than most games, Whirlwind. The reason Whirlwind was so tough was because... Right, Saucer? No, the seller kicked it out like, here you go, fucker, take oh. it. Like, <laughs> it just, like, you, it was hard to live catch. You couldn't hold up the flipper. You, you couldn't bounce yeah. pass. It was like every ball I lost basically was because I couldn't survive the seller, which is nuts. Yeah. And you got to go in and there. All the time. Yeah, I like to because yeah anyway so it depends on game setups there you go thanks Corey yeah for me any any game without a ball save there you go next email Brandon Brandon B writes hi Jeff and Martin it was my first time listening to final round holy shit we do have new people and I just switched on the beast episode y'all's dynamic was awesome that's never been said in an English sentence ever y'all's dynamic was awesome I like it Uh, The movie review segment was entertaining despite straying away from pinball. Guess what? It's fucking a new staple. 
We've dumped out the sponsor of the week. We occasionally make Marty kill some people, but fucking movies, you got it, baby. Thanks, Brandon. I'll be continuing to listen in rotation with the Pinball Party podcast as well as the Pinball Show. Now, the one thing I'd love to see from any podcast would be all tournament talk. Brandon, the show is dedicated to you. <laughs> I didn't even read that before. I was like, oh, we were doing it anyway. Yep. For some reason, I guess people don't like it or what have you. But that's all I look for in pinball podcasts. Oh, Brandon, like, bone her up yep. after this one, dude. <laughs> we had the most talented competitors to ever play pinball, and they aren't being discussed. Jason Zoller, Escher Lefkoff. Do you realize if you look at them, Escher's number one, Jason close behind at number two. They have 2,500 Whopper points. The next closest person has 600 less. They are in a league by themselves. It's ridiculous. Go look at it. I have paid pinball.com. Personally, I would love it if your podcast took up the responsibility. You lost us right there, Brandon. You're getting nothing, dude. You get what you get. Dude, in episode five, we were pissed drunk or something like that. Like, we fucking <laughs> bailed on that immediately. It was COVID. We, we were did. like, tried, we were boarding That's up the right. windows. I got shotguns. In. <laughs> but yeah, as we sort of said, Brandon, this podcast started as a tournament talk podcast and died. COVID happened and there were no tournaments. So it just evolved to whatever this shit sandwich is that we've got now. I would like to bring okay. some much-needed respect and dignity to a sport, not a hobby, you're right, it is a sport, that these competitors put so much time in creativity, passion, and so much. I appreciate... Oh, thanks very much. So very nice, Brandon. Uh, for, and a new guy, too. That was nice for someone to reach out. A lot of people can bitch, but when people take the time to write something nice, it means a lot to us. It really, really does. Fuck Twippy votes. I couldn't give two rats asses about a fucking Twippy award or nomination. Don't even vote for us. Honest to God. Like, fucking give it to the people who are begging. Derek wrote, uh, writing in to say, I love the podcast and I hope listeners are taking pity on these two cunts. <laughs> <laughs> we only, see, we say it because the listeners say it. That's why we're just yeah, trying to speak correct. the language. Marty, correct. after he destroyed his beautiful BMW in a ditch, has been working at Haggis in a penal colony. Yeah, it's a bit of an old joke there, Derek. Come on, buddy. Step it up. <laughs> Damien and crew work hard at Haggis uh, with parts hard to come by at times. Uh, let's say they are located in a strange ancient land that is affected by time dilation, a mysterious smoke monster, and surrounded by sharks. Hopefully, Marty's <laughs> original game is Rocco's Mar Modern Life. What's that? Rocco's... Say... It's a cartoon. I also find it so nice that Jeff makes a bi-monthly video calls while Marty is serving time. Sure, his <laughs> jokes fall short compared to Jim Carrey, and he isn't as handsome like Ryan Reynolds, but he gets the job done, I guess. The poor guy, though, is a Blue Jays fan. Although absolutely devastated by getting swept by the Red Sox, Jeff can't come back in sports after the Boston Bruins. Okay, enough Boston, Homer. Quit the honking. Uh, seriously, you guys are the best. Wish you all the best in life and work. Hope to see you at Pinball Expo or whatever. I'll be there, Derek. Derek, I would love to see you again at some time. So, yeah, for sure, man. Rick Demmel wrote, what did he say? He said, love your show. Have you listened to it, Rick? Rick. <laughs> I mean, I question it. Makes my commute somewhat enjoyable. People must wonder why I'm laughing as I drive by. It was nice that Jeff did not dwell on his first league win. Did yeah, I? When, I know. Did we talk about that? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, oh, that was the the oh, that's right. Oh, we, we, it was the TCPL. Yeah, nine-year league. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. We had to bring it up. Yep, sure. I won. Yeah. We didn't it gets old talking about my, he said, I agree with Jeff. It gets old talking about my seven league championships. Fucking bragger. Shout out to the, 
chat to the Capital Corridor Pinball League in Northern California. Another challenge is finding a place to put all these trophies. Oh, it must be oh, so tough for you, Rick. Oh. A question for Marty and Jeff. Are there any words in Canada or Australia like the C word in the United States that make, make people go ballistic and immediately let's fight mode? I mean, it's just a word, right? Well, Rick, for me, yes, there is one word and it's... Yeah, I'm not going to say it. There's one word that bothers moist. me too. Which moist? moist? You hit the word moist. <laughs> moist. Oh, you say moist. It gets some people just go, moist. Hold on. Let me put spit in my mouth when I say it. <laughs> moist. That's just absolutely disgusting. No, like words about body parts and shit like that, that doesn't bother me at all. Words that are racist, offensive, and derogatory, that's, 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 you'll never hear those come out of us. I mean, that's, that's a different, that is, those are swear words. Those are the bad words, not fucking anything else. So, yeah, I I think, I think that's really what it is. And it goes back to that uh, other email as well. It's, I think, I think words that are about body parts. We and it, it really is everywhere. Let's call it a, a colony of the, of the UK that uh, doesn't find these things. Offensive. But if it's if it's derogatory to a person, a place, or a culture, then we probably won't like it. Out of bounds for sure. For sure, we won't read this email. But it came from James that Cardona Pinball Designs approval for yes. Black Rose sequel. That's pretty cool. An upgrade kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I met James at, um, it would have been a TPF, and it was playable there opposite our booth. Hmm. Yeah, it, was, it looks really good. So look it up, Black Rose, what's it called? Black Rose Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones, yeah. Okay. You know who we didn't get an email from? You know, what, you know how we ask for emails? What if we specifically say, you must, like a specific person, they have to send us an email. And if they don't, <laughs> the show is we've done. Still got, we've still got one more. I know, but I'm saying Ed... Who he gave that glowing review last time and described yes. the gargoyle that he was didn't write back to us. No, nah, didn't even didn't even let us know that he was offended. So that's disappointing. What a dick! <laughs> I think he did send me a note on Facebook. He liked it. <laughs> <laughs> a last one from a fellow podcaster. You might remember the old original pinball podcast. Good old Jeff R. He sent us a note. There you go. You got an email. Pinball Podcaster Solidarity. On a serious note, it is always fun when you bring on Ryan. Well, Ryan was, is it? Is it though? <laughs> Are you sure about we that? We love having Ryan on. Trust me, we do. He was recently in Indonesia. Ask him about learning how to ride a scooter. Do you know about that? Oh, yes. Okay. Anyway, he sent me pictures. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, well. I'm glad he's fine. Uh, you have all the chemistry of secret lovers <laughs> and the pinball tension is quite infectious. Mm, I don't know whether it's secret, yeah. but yeah, my God, going. there's videos. Did you not see, like, look carefully at episode 69. There's like footage. Don't, <laughs> don't tell him I said that. He needs to keep thinking that I look down on him. All right, Ryan, he's not listening. Marty, nut up and watch The Godfather. Aha! I nearly did, you know, I nearly did. It's on a streaming service, so I can watch it at any time. So keep going. You got to sit through it. You can't be distracted. I will. It can be considered slow. It's a masterpiece. Uh, You're like my friend that never ate pie into his 30s, and it was actually part of his identity. Eric, the guy who never ate pie. Don't become the godfatherless guy. Jeff, (laughs) I think you should probably name drop more. (laughs) We're barely beginning to understand that you might know people and you're well-liked in this community. Keep my name out of your mouth, though. 
Sorry, Jeff <laughs> Rivera. I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, I missed you both. Uh, one more than the other, but you can sort out who that might be. Oh, yeah. Good show. You're top notch. Okay, Jeff, let this be known. And I wrote back to him. I have not had a piece of pie since I was five years old. Swear to God. Put me in that category as Eric. I, don't, I actually don't eat dessert ever. Yeah. Don't like, I don't ever eat desserts ever. That's me. That's all of our emails. What if somebody wanted to email us? Where would they go, Marty? Well, I hope they would because we actually have had a lot of fun with these emails yeah. that come through. So finalroundpinball at gmail.com. Please email us. You'll get a response. Sometimes it'll just be a response, reply saying you're a cunt. But email us anyway if that's what you want. Uh, you can X. Fuck X. We're at finalroundpinball. Fuck X. No one, yeah, fuck, fuck X. Fuck off. Are we on threads? Oh, I didn't even think. You know, we should have. Oh, now some fucker's going to steal our thread. Or do we have dibs? Do we have dibs? Yeah, I know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's that founder ramping ball podcast at Instagram. So yeah, let's do threads. Before this airs, you better fucking sign up for threads. You do have to do that. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) I don't either. Yeah. We're we're old. Facebook's for us. Exactly. So you can message us on Facebook. That's another thing. Where can they fax us? (laughs) Send us a telex. A smoke signal. That's a decent show. It'll do. Not bad. Not bad. Not Covered great. A lot. But again. Well, I would say, you know, after the tournament talk, it wasn't great. But I, 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 you will, I'm editing this, so I will listen back. And I just think there's so many good nuggets in that discussion. Not just about these big tournaments, but I think a lot of it can also lend to any tournament or even just a competition that you're running, be it weekly, monthly, or whatever. As I said, they are opinions, but they are particularly Jeff who runs tournaments and I haven't for many, many years. It's it's valid information and you should take it. It was pinball related because I promise you, it is my promise to you, there will be one podcast within the next calendar year, within the next 12 months, where I will not talk one bit of pinball. And Marty, you won't either. And we'll just release it. And people are like, what the fuck was that? And they'll like it or they'll hate it. That's yeah. what they call one for us. <laughs> just be warned. It's coming up where there's zero pinball talk. <laughs> we have to apparently, but it's coming. Just letting you know. I can't wait. I look forward to it. And that. when we get emails back saying, that was great. Death Go. to pinball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm out of here. All right, I'm out of here. And I've just got one more thing to say. I reckon the bubble has burst. Do you really? I. I, What the fuck? We're not done. Fuck you. We're. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks everyone. See you later. Bring it back there. Rewind. You just said, I think the bubble has burst. I just saw a Led Zeppelin Pro in Canada for sale, home use only, $4,900, which is about maybe. Four thousand, maybe even less than that. Four thousand dollars American for a home use Led Zeppelin. I was like, what? 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 Sure. Have prices yep. come down again? It was the used market we were concerned about. Yeah, it is. It's the LEs. Are they flying off the chart? Have they hit the ceiling? Hmm. How many Bond LEs are out there? How many? Uh, the Foo Fighters sold, but go on. <laughs> how many? How, wait, wait. How many? How many 60th anniversary Bonds can they raffle off? Hey, that's a, that's a sign, man. If they've got them available, that means they're not being sold. Shop. Ask your uh, distributors what they've got. Oh, and hey, listen, it's good they've got inventory. I'm sure the distributors don't want to be sitting on it, but mm, it's not like it was a few years ago. 
It's got to come down. Mm. Marty admitted it. Mm. I didn't say it has. I said think. So, what are your thoughts? I don't know. It's, I reckon it's a very curious time. I think right now, right now is market correction time. And what that lands at, I don't think we know just yet because we're not at the other end of the correction. To be continued. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Now we're going. See you later. Okay. Bye, guys.